You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. Uh, it does not feel like it's a new episode because I am recording these all in a row. I have warned you about that, so I apologize again if I am missing breaking news. But uh, let's get into the continued discussion of the draft pick signings. Uh, talked about why Logan Allen is important. Talked about, you know, here's this guy who's an utterly fantastic athlete uh, to a team who Rafael Perez was the last good lefty they were able to produce on their own. Uh, it has been a long time. And if you're just curious, again, Logan Allen was a, a two-way player who hit more home runs in college than Garrett Mitchell, who went 20th overall to um, the Milwaukee Brewers. Now Garrett Mitchell has talent coming out of every poor, extremely high upside player. But uh, down at FIU, the three home runs that uh, that he hit would have been enough to uh, to get to have more than uh, Garrett Mitchell during his time. Remember, he, was, he tied him with three home runs. I can't remember exactly. But uh, did it, what, 63 at-bats? But more importantly, as a pitcher, this is a guy who was pretty much unhittable at uh, the Conference USA level, strikeout rate of almost 15, and then a strikeout rate of 14.5 this year. Walk rate, his worst walk rate was 2.7. I think that says enough. So really good athlete. Why doesn't he go higher? Small school in size. Like, he's not going to probably add much, but the Indians have had success with these six-feet athletic left well not necessarily left-handers but the six foot tall um athlete and you know this is a guy who had some first second round buzz coming out of high school was a 16th round pick of the baltimore orioles in 2017 when you take a kid in the teens you're trying to sign them you think there's a chance and you're going to make a run at him so that is logan allen let's talk about mason hickman mason hickman one of the most decorated pitchers in all of college baseball the past few years um freshman year not much to look at as a sophomore on that Vanderbilt team that went on to win the uh, the College World Series over Michigan last year, I mean, he was their ace. He was their go-to. 2.23 ERA, 12.3 strikeout per nine, 2.44 walk per nine, 6.17 hit per nine. Shortened season this year, but he was even better. Three games, 18 innings. He gave up one earned run, struck out 26, and allowed three walks. So that is a walk rate of 145, a strikeout rate of 12.5, a hit rate of 3.86. He was really good. Now, Mason Hickman was a known player as well, not graded as high as Logan Allen coming out of uh, high school, but he was a player that I think we all thought would have velocity. He's 6'6", 230. Um, a Tennessee kid, originally born in Salt Lake City, but was from ten, the Tennessee area, went to high school there, and then went to Vandy. Just didn't add velocity, and something I talked about you know, around the draft is it's been interesting looking at Chandler Day and Tyler Brown and Jake Etter. Uh, of late, guys aren't developing at Vandy. Now, I don't think that is a knock on Vandy. I'd be curious to see you know, what coaches they've lost over the years. You have to track things like that and see, like, okay, so at their peak, what were they doing right? What has occurred? Like... For instance, Kent State has a fantastic pitching coach, one of the best pitching coaches in the country, but they changed their recruiting coordinator, and they're not going for quite as high-end guys. They're going for uh, pitchers who have uh, you know a different ability level than when Kent was kind of a, a machine a few, even a few years ago. So that, that shows up and things like that. So what happened, and it can also just be you get a stretch of arms that just don't work out, and then you get the next stretch and everything's fine. 
Hickman is exactly the type of guy you want the Indians to draft. I love Logan Allen. I love Tanner Burns. But what makes Hickman exciting is he did it all in college. He's got three pitches. He's got good deception. Curveball is a, is a plus weapon in my mind. He's got good spin data on that to back it up. And even though this is a guy who's a righty who's like high 80s, low 90s, like peaking. Uh, I don't even think he hits mid-90s right now. Uh, he just dominated at the highest level of college competition and you want exactly that type of guy because this is the Cleveland Indians we're talking about one of the top three organizations when it comes to pitching development they find ways to tune guys up you know Shane Bieber was a you know a fifth or sixth round pick for a reason Aaron Saval was rated higher than him but Saval was also like a fourth rounder I want to say Andrew Landtrip is the forgotten guy from that group of pitchers who Missed some bats, but not a ton, but didn't walk anyone. They took a, a whole series of guys in that draft. Uh, Zach Plesak was just hurt, so we don't really have the data on him that we had on the other guys in that draft class. But when you get right down to it, and you look at what they did well, it's taking guys with control and finding more. Kyle Dowdy, when he was uh, came over to the Indians, I can't remember exactly what the trade was with the Tigers, where they got him. I'd have to go look that up. But he showed up, and the Indians unlocked something else, and he's hitting like 98, 99. That had never happened before he got to Cleveland. Uh, and talking to people who knew him in the minors, it was like, it was a big change. Uh, now, he was always an extremely strong dude, but the Indians are just really good at pitching development. They're really good at finding more, taking pitchers to the next level. So Mason Hickman should be very exciting, because this is a guy who has the ability, has the secondary offerings, just has a fringy fastball. As a right-hander, it's going to be hard for him to get by with that fastball, even with the deception there. If the Indians can unlock more, they're going to get an absolute steal. If they don't, he's probably more quad A arm. But when you're taking him in the last round of the draft, one of the top pitchers in the top conference in college baseball, and then you're signing him under slot, bully for you. Like That is a fantastic pick there. Uh, I mean, yes, there were players I was hoping for. There were players I liked a lot that I, I thought the Indians could take there. I have no problem with that selection over other players than I might have had rated higher because he is a perfect fit to the Indians. He is exactly the type of talent the Indians find ways to find more. They unlock. This isn't to say he's going to be Shane Bieber. I'm not going to put that on anyone. Bieber's a potential top 10. You know, he was a Cy Young candidate a year ago. But what I'm saying is Hickman... He could be a Plesak. He could be someone like that. They could find more. The difference between him and Plesak is his secondary stuff is much more developed, and there isn't that injury history. So I, it stinks that we're not going to really get that minors this year, that chance to see what the, these players can do uh, and to get that development because I would love to see them unlock stuff with him right away because I feel like that they already probably have some ideas on, on what to work on and what to do. If they're in a short draft targeting him, it's the same thing with those undrafted players they sign. They definitely probably already have a package of video ready and set up and have already had discussions and email and I bet they are zooming with these guys already because you're excited when you add new talent and you have to be excited when you get one of the best pitchers in college baseball over the last two years and get him in the fifth round for underslot it's uh it's an interesting get and yeah maybe he never you know gets to double a but that would be a very unlikely outcome he is like one of those guys that if he doesn't at least get to AAA, his arm must have fallen off. That's the only way it doesn't work out, just because of the command and the secondary offerings. So Hickman, uh, a great deal in the fifth, a perfect fit for the Indians. 
Logan Allen, my highest rated player. Carson Tucker. Bloodlines up the middle. And then I get nervous when the one thing he has going for him offensively for sure is hit tool. And you know, we talked about that right around the draft. And that's honestly why I paused in there. I was like, hit tool, yeah. We don't know how to evaluate hit tool. We just we don't. Uh, players get you know, high graded hit tools who then turn into terrible hitters with bad recognition uh, in the minors. We'll see what Carson Tucker can do. Uh, I need to sit down and really hammer it out when I have time, but I have this sinking feeling in my gut through years of uh, watching baseball that it, younger brothers often end up being better than older brothers. Not always, but often that is the case. Uh, and yes, Cole Tucker did not uh, light the world on fire last year in his small opportunity, but there's a reason why this guy was consistently a top 10, top 100 prospect. I am looking forward to seeing what he can do, what is going to develop for him. The Indians are very good at developing up the middle hitters. It's a, it's a tool set that's easy to see why they drafted him. You know, they're going to save money and they could potentially get him, you're talking about, as an everyday shortstop and you develop him and if you end up in a situation where you have like three interesting everyday shortstop types between Freeman, Rocco and him, then you have great trade bait because teams always want shortstops. It's, I mean, Jeter Downs was traded twice in the last year, uh, top 100 prospect each time, but the reason he was able to have so much value in those deals was he was a sure shortstop and Jeter Downs in terms of a prospect comp might be the best one for Carson Tucker in terms of what he could be down the line so look at that that's type of player I kind of see there Postmates they've been with us for a year and make sure to show them love go and download the Postmates app and when you make your order you're going to enter that promo code locked on. That app is on iOS or an Android, and that's going to give you $100 of free delivery credit to use in the first seven days. So go crazy. Postmates brings what you need to you 365 days, 24 hours a day. You open up the app, you see who's going to bring it to you. If you want Taco Bell at 1 a.m., and you're too tired to get it, if you need to get uh, some stuff in the drugstore, but you're feeling too sick, if you want groceries to come to your door, but you just don't want to deal with the grocery store or the people in there, or if you're like me and when you go to the grocery store, maybe a third of the people are bothering to wear masks, yeah, maybe it's not the greatest that I'm sending someone else to get my groceries, but this is what Postmates does for you. Postmates is going to allow you to bring things to your door, and it saves you time and saves you effort, and right now we're saving you money. So go and use that promo code. Remember, locked on is the promo, and that's going to give you $100 of free deliveries in your first seven days. Try it out and you will love it. There's a reason why everyone knows why post-mating it is a verb. Okay. I always say okay there. Why do I always say okay there? I'm sorry. Uh, so we talked about the picks that have signed. We do not have any updates, even though all the things typically break in the middle of these podcasts, and I thought for sure doing three in a row would be the uh, an, an opportunity that uh, karma or whatever could not pass on. Uh, karma is not the right word there opportunity that fate could couldn't pass on i don't know but moving on uh, i did see also uh, ian bedell signing with the cardinals for uh 800k he was one of those guys that i thought for sure was an indians target um other fun signings today the freddie zamora got 1.15 million now this is a player who the brewers took they saved about 200,000 from slot but and he was a potential first rounder, and then people soured on him so much after his injury 
And when you read between the lines, there was a few places that kind of wrote up about um, not always working the hardest and things like that. And there were just, it seemed like people were not sure about the characters. So I was kind of surprised. They thought that might be a massive undersigned signing. The, another Brewer signer, signer signing was a uh, University of Cincinnati, Joey uh, Weimer. Power to speed ratio, some of the best in this class. Like top five exit velocity, really good run, really good arm. Uh, he was throwing like high 90s as a pitcher. Uh, you're like, wow, why is he going there? He's got no idea what to do with the plate. Like at the University of Cincinnati, Conference USA level, I believe. I will double check that right now. Uh, but facing someone like Logan Allen, the, with all those natural tools, he never put it together. Now, if you can put it together with him, you have a potential like star. But can you put it together? I, I don't know. But he was he entered the year as a potential first rounder for the state of Ohio, which does not have a lot of first rounders. Uh, no, a he's part of the AAC, the, what the American Athletic Conference. Still, that's not a huge conference for baseball. Um, he was a Michigan kid who went to Cincinnati, and yeah, strikeout percentages over twenty. You know, just even something as simple as like OPS was always below eight hundred, even though he had probably the best physical tools in the conference. Uh, interesting talent in getting him for 150000 in the fourth round, saving themselves 320000 I'm curious to see what the Brewers do. That's always the fun. Watching these signings, it's like a puzzle, right? You're going to go through and see, okay, they saved money here. What are they saving it for? Where did this savings go? Um, you know, it's like the Cardinals. They took Tink Hens. The Cardinals had a very Indians draft. Uh, Jordan Walker, young for his age, power hitter from Georgia. They take in the first round, go under slot. Tink Hens was a 17-year-old, or 17 year old, one of the youngest pitchers in this class. They got him for a little over slot. Uh, this is a great one from Jim Callis, as I was just going down the line here, that as of 14 hours ago, and there's been signing since then, 86 of 160 players had already signed. So that is a really interesting amount. Like, we have a lot of signings, and the Indians are... relatively high percentage. I mean, they're going to not be 30th in terms of uh, players not signed with three of those, uh, what, 70-odd. But that's enough about the draft until we get those other signings, and I'll come back around and talk about them on another episode. Um, I guess to sum it up, since I managed to turn the draft into two complete episodes, overall rating on this draft, if I'm just ranking these prospects, let me pull up the list directly in front of me. If I was making a list, it goes Tanner or Logan Allen, Tanner Burns, Carson Tucker, P.D. Halpin, Milano Tolatino, Mason Hickman. Tucker, Barnes, and Allen all made my top 51. Halpin was a really close. Like He was one of those guys I debated to the very end of that. Uh, there was a point in time where he was on the list and then was not. So... I, you know, when, and I have Halpin and Tucker very close in value, and Halpin isn't getting $2 million, so that's going to be a great value with him uh, wherever they end up paying him, especially, you know, again, 95th overall. So that's, I, I really want to see that. And then I'll have my Shadow Draft piece out. I don't know how different it is going to be. Uh, maybe some minor moves. It might be one of those things where, honestly, at 23, I take Logan Allen because I was such a fan, and then I can just go massively over slot at. at 36 or 56 or maybe I take Burns at 23 and then go massively over at 36 um, 
I don't know. I have to figure it out. I couldn't go massively over then. The whole thing, if I take Allen early, I can save a, a huge amount versus the slot. But things like that. That's, I always have a lot of fun with the Shadow Draft. It is interesting to see. Last year I did the 2016 draft, uh, Shadow Draft, where I was barely beating the Indians in that one, as I recall. Uh, we'll have to see how it turns out in 2017. I feel like that was one of these years where I really did poorly compared to the Indians. So that'll be something fun to do. I wait till I finish writing this year's Shadow Draft, and then we'll have the Shadow Draft episode because that also gives us a chance to kind of sum up all the draft stuff. We'll have had all of our signings, and we'll kind of know exactly what it's going to cost. It is, again, odd. Six, five rounds, six picks. When I started, we had 50, and... You know, before that, there was even more. It was until teams just said, we're done. One more thing about the draft. Uh, as I'm recording this, this is after the ridiculous hockey lottery draft, which might have been the most interesting piece of sports we have had since the uh, COVID situation happened. What are people's thoughts? Uh, I've not had a lot of questions this week, but I'd love to have interactions when I come back. Should baseball have a lottery for that top pick? I don't think we really see teams punting just because it is so far away and you know, Torkelson was not a consensus number one talent. That's the honest to goodness truth. Rushman was a year ago, but I don't, I don't know if anyone put the generational label on him. Since Harper, since Strasburg, we really haven't had anyone who is that level, who where teams would maybe consider tanking for it because they are viewed as these can't miss, unbelievable talents. But should baseball consider having a draft? Should it consider doing that with its picks as a way to avoid teams not even trying at all? It always comes up. It's always a, an interesting thing. I don't think baseball teams are set up to tank. I think some teams are set up to fail on purpose because uh, I think you can make the most money with a horrible team and very low salaries. I think that is a great way to make funds. And if you're going to rebuild, uh, the easiest path is stripping the system bare and then having some truly awful years with high picks and using that pool money as a hammer the way it should be used. Uh, unlike we have seen with some teams like Detroit over the years. So, yeah, the you know the, if you're not familiar with it, just to, to give you the background, the National Hockey League had its uh, draft lottery tonight, and the winner is to be determined. The team that is going to get the top overall pick in the draft is still a team that is going to be playing, not one of the teams that's, uh, that's currently out. The way the ping-pong balls were pulled or whatever came to one of the teams because when they're restarting, you know, it's like the NBA. Like right now, the Cavs um, aren't part of the NBA restart. But there are expanded playoffs, I think, for both of these leagues. So one of these teams that is like on the outside of this expanded playoff, I mean, it's still conceivable like the Blue Jackets could end up with the first overall pick. They'll go, they'll play, we'll see how things go. But it was crazy. It just made me think, like, should baseball consider a lottery? Should football consider a lottery? It's kind of, on one level, it is another event you can really push and get people to watch and it's another way to get eyes to your sport uh the lottery it's not the worst thing uh as a fan of teams i don't necessarily always love it uh and with the way the indians have been you know the indians have never had the first overall pick in the draft you add in a lottery they might never with the way their luck works but yeah the indians are one of those few teams that have never picked first overall we'll see uh how long that uh can hold up but lotto discuss. Tell me your thoughts. Should we consider it? Is it ridiculous? As always, I want to thank you for listening. Uh, a lot of places have struggled with their numbers during the crisis. Our numbers have stayed pretty good. I'm not going to say they are as good as a year ago because they're not, but compared to a lot of places, I'm very thankful to each and every one of you for sticking with the podcast, downloading daily, listening, visiting our sponsors. 
Um, there are points where I'm like, do I want to keep doing this? It's so much work, but you are the reason I want to keep doing this. So I, I thank each and every one of you from the bottom of my heart. I've been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at Jeff MLB Draft. And as always, go tribe.